chapter twenty one of the works of the right honourable edmund burke volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the works of the right honourable edmund burke volume one by edmund burke chapter twenty one part four of observations when a representation is built on truth in nature one member supports the other and mutual lights are given and received from every part thus as our manufacturers have not deserted nor the manufacture left us nor the consumption declined nor the revenue sunk so neither has trade which is at once the result measure and cause of the whole in the least decayed as our author has thought proper sometimes to affirm constantly to suppose as if it were the most indisputable of all propositions the reader will see below the comparative state of our trade in three of the best years before our increase of debts and taxes and with it the three last years since the author's date of our ruin in the last three years the whole of our exports was between forty-four and forty-five millions in the three years preceding the war it was no more than from thirty-five to thirty-six millions the average balance of the former period was three million seven hundred and six thousand livres of the latter something above four millions it is true that whilst the impressions of the author's destructive war continued our trade was greater than it is at present one of the necessary consequences of the peace was that france must gradually recover a part of those markets of which she had been originally in possession however after all these deductions still the gross trade in the worst year of the present is better than in the best year of any former period of peace a very great part of our taxes if not the greatest has been imposed since the beginning of the century on the author's principles this continual increase of taxes must have ruined our trade or at least entirely checked its growth but i have a manuscript of davenant which contains an abstract of our trade for the years seventeen o three and seventeen o four by which it appears that the whole export from england did not then exceed six million five hundred and fifty two thousand and nineteen livres it is now considerably more than double that amount yet england was then a rich and flourishing nation the author endeavours to derogate from the balance in our favour as it stands on the entries and reduces it from four millions as it there appears to no more than two million five hundred thousand livres his observation on the looseness and inaccuracy of the export entries is just and that the error is always an error of excess i readily admit but because as usual he has wholly omitted some very material facts his conclusion is as erroneous as the entries he complains of on this point of the custom-house entries i shall make a few observations first the inaccuracy of these entries can extend only to free goods that is to such british products and manufactures as are exported without drawback and without bounty which do not in general amount to more than two-thirds at the very utmost of the whole export even of our home products the valuable articles of corn malt leather hops beer and many others do not come under this objection of inaccuracy the article of certificate goods re-exported a vast branch of our commerce 
admits of no error except some smaller frauds which cannot be estimated as they have all a drawback of duty and the exporter must therefore correctly specify their quantity and kind the author therefore is not warranted from the known error in some of the entries to make a general defalcation from the whole balance in our favour this error cannot affect more than half if so much of the export article secondly in the account made up at the inspector-general's office they estimate only the original cost of british products as they are here purchased and on foreign goods only the prices in the country from whence they are sent this was the method established by mr davenant and as far as it goes it certainly is a good one but the profits of the merchant at home and of our factories abroad are not taken into the account which profit on such an immense quantity of goods exported and re-exported cannot fail of being very great five per cent upon the whole i should think a very moderate allowance thirdly it does not comprehend the advantage arising from the employment of six hundred thousand tons of shipping which must be paid by the foreign consumer and which in many bulky articles of commerce is equal to the value of the commodity this can scarcely be rated at less than a million annually fourthly the whole import from ireland and america and from the west indies is set against us in the ordinary way of striking a balance of imports and exports whereas the import and export are both our own this is just as ridiculous as to put against the general balance of the nation how much more goods cheshire receives from london than london from cheshire the whole revolves and circulates through this kingdom and is so far as regards our profit in the nature of home trade as much as if the several countries of america and ireland were all pieced to cornwall the course of exchange with all these places is fully sufficient to demonstrate that this kingdom has the whole advantage of their commerce when the final profit upon a whole system of trade rests and centres in a certain place a balance struck in that place merely on the mutual sale of commodities is quite fallacious fifthly the custom-house entries furnish a most effective and indeed ridiculous idea of the most valuable branch of trade we have in the world that with newfoundland observe what you export thither a little spirits provision fishing lines and fishing hooks is this export the true idea of the newfoundland trade in the light of a beneficial branch of commerce nothing less examine our imports from thence it seems upon this vulgar idea of exports and imports to turn the balance against you but your exports to newfoundland are your own goods your import is your own food as much as your own as that you raise with your ploughs out of your own soil and not your loss but your gain your riches not your poverty but so fallacious is this way of judging that neither the export nor import nor both together supply any idea approaching to adequate of that branch of business the vessels in that trade go straight from newfoundland to the foreign market and the sale there not the import here is the measure of its value that trade which is one of your greatest and best is hardly so much as seen in the custom-house entries and it is not of less annual value to this nation than four hundred thousand livres sixthly the quality of your imports must be considered as well as the quantity to state the whole of the foreign import as loss is exceedingly absurd all the iron hemp flax cotton spanish wool raw silk woollen and linen yarn which we import are by no means to be considered as the matter of a merely luxurious consumption 
which is the idea too generally and loosely annexed to our import article these above-mentioned are materials of industry not of luxury which are wrought up here in many instances to ten times and more of their original value even where they are not subservient to our exports they still add to our internal wealth which consists in the stock of useful commodities as much as in gold and silver in looking over the specific articles of our export and import i have often been astonished to see for how small a part of the supply of our consumption either luxurious or convenient we are indebted to nations properly foreign to us these considerations are entirely passed over by the author they have been but too much neglected by most who have speculated on this subject but they ought never to be omitted by those who mean to come to anything like the true state of the british trade they compensate and they more than compensate everything which the author can cut off with any appearance of reason for the over-entry of british goods and they restore to us that balance of four millions which the author has thought proper on such a very poor and limited comprehension of the object to reduce to two million five hundred thousand livres in general this author is so circumstanced that to support his theory he is obliged to assume his facts and then if you allow his facts they will not support his conclusions what if all he says of the state of this balance were true did not the same objections always lie to custom-house entries do they defalcate more from the entries of seventeen sixty six than from those of seventeen fifty four if they prove us ruined we were always ruined some ravens have always indeed croaked out this kind of song they have a malignant delight in presaging mischief when they are not employed in doing it they are miserable and disappointed at every instance of the public prosperity they overlook us like the malevolent being of the poet tritonita conspicit arcum ingenuus opibusque et festa pace verentum vix quae tenet lacrimas quia nil lacrimabile carinet it is in this spirit that some have looked upon those accidents that cast an occasional damp upon trade their imaginations entail these accidents upon us in perpetuity we have had some bad harvests this must very disadvantageously affect the balance of trade and the navigation of a people so large a part of whose commerce is in grain but in knowing the cause we are morally certain that according to the course of events it cannot long subsist in the three last years we have exported scarcely any grain in good years that export hath been worth twelve hundred thousand pounds and more in the two last years far from exporting we have been obliged to import to the amount perhaps of our former exportation so that in this article the balance must be two million livres against us that is one million in the ceasing of gain the other in the increase of expenditure but none of the author's promises or projects could have prevented this misfortune and thank god we do not want him or them to relieve us from it although if his friends should now come into power i doubt not but they will be ready to take credit for any increase of trade or excise that may arise from the happy circumstance of a good harvest disconnects with his loud laments and melancholy prognostications concerning the high price of the necessaries of life and the products of labour with all his others i deny this fact i again call upon him to prove it take average and not accident the grand and first necessary of life is cheap in this country and that too is weighed not against labour which is its true counterpoise but against money does he call the price of wheat at this day between thirty-two and forty shillings per quarter in london dear 
he must know that fuel an object of the highest order in the necessaries of life and of the first necessity in almost every kind of manufacture is in many of our provinces cheaper than in any part of the globe meat is on the whole not excessively dear whatever its price may be at particular times and from particular accidents if it has had anything like an uniform rise this enhancement may easily be proved not to be owing to the increase of taxes but to uniform increase of consumption and of money diminish the latter and meat in your markets will be sufficiently cheap in account but much dearer in effect because fewer will be in a condition to buy thus your apparent plenty will be real indigence at present even under temporary disadvantages the use of flesh is greater here than anywhere else it is continued without any interruption of lents or meagre days it is sustained and growing even with the increase of our taxes but some have the art of converting even the signs of national prosperity into symptoms of decay and ruin and our author who so loudly disclaims popularity never fails to lay hold of the most vulgar popular prejudices and humours in hopes to captivate the crowd even those peevish dispositions which grow out of some transitory suffering those passing clouds which float in our changeable atmosphere are by him industriously figured into frightful shapes in order first to terrify and then to govern the populace it is not enough for the author's purpose to give this false and discouraging picture of the state of his own country it did not fully answer his end to exaggerate her burdens to depreciate her successes and to vilify her character nothing had been done unless the situation of france were exalted in proportion as that of england had been abased the reader will excuse the citation i make at length from his book he outdoes himself upon this occasion his confidence is indeed unparalleled and altogether of the heroic cast if our rival nations were in the same circumstances with ourselves the augmentation of our taxes would produce no ill consequences if we were obliged to raise our prices they must from the same causes do the like and could take no advantage by underselling and underworking us but the alarming consideration to great britain is that france is not in the same condition her distresses during the war were great but they were immediate her want of credit as has been said compelled her to impoverish her people by raising the greatest part of her supplies within the year but the burdens she imposed on them were in a great measure temporary and must be greatly diminished by a few years of peace she could procure no considerable loans therefore she has mortgaged no such oppressive taxes as those great britain has imposed in perpetuity for payment of interest peace must therefore soon re-establish her commerce and manufactures especially as the comparative lightness of taxes and the cheapness of living in that country must make france an asylum for british manufacturers and artificers on this the author rests the merit of his whole system and on this point i will join issue with him if france is not at least in the same condition even in that very condition which the author falsely represents to be ours if the very reverse of his proposition be not true then i will admit his state of the nation to be just and all his inferences from that state to be logical and conclusive it is not surprising that the author should hazard our opinion of his veracity that is a virtue on which great statesmen do not perhaps pique themselves so much but it is somewhat extraordinary that he should stake on a very poor calculation of chances all credit for care for accuracy and for knowledge of the subject of which he treats he is rash 
and inaccurate because he thinks he writes to a public ignorant and inattentive but he may find himself in that respect as in many others greatly mistaken in order to contrast the light and vigorous condition of france with that of england weak and sinking under her burdens he states in his tenth page that france had raised fifty million three hundred and fourteen thousand three hundred and seventy eight livres sterling by taxes within the several years from the year seventeen fifty six to seventeen sixty two both inclusive all englishmen must stand aghast at such a representation to find france able to raise within the year sums little inferior to all that we were able even to borrow on interest with all the resources of the greatest and most established credit in the world europe was filled with astonishment when they saw england borrow in one year twelve millions it was thought of very justly no small proof of national strength and financial skill to find a fund for the payment of the interest upon this sum the interest of this computed with the one per cent annuities amounted only to six hundred thousand livres a year this i say was thought a surprising effort even of credit but this author talks as of a thing not worth proving but just worth observing that france in one year raised sixteen times that sum without borrowing and continued to raise sums not far from equal to it for several years together suppose some jacob henriques had proposed in the year seventeen sixty two to prevent a perpetual charge on the nation by raising ten millions within the year he would have been considered not as a harsh financier who laid a heavy hand on the public but as a poor visionary who had run mad on supplies and taxes they who know that the whole land tax of england at four shillings in the pound raises but two millions will not easily apprehend that any such sums as the author has conjured up can be raised even in the most opulent nations france owed a large debt and was encumbered with heavy establishments before that war the author does not formally deny that she borrowed something in every year of its continuance let him produce the funds for this astonishing annual addition to all her vast preceding taxes in addition equal to the whole excise customs land and malt taxes of england taken together but what must be the reader's astonishment perhaps his indignation if he should find that this great financier has fallen into the most unaccountable of all errors no less an error than that of mistaking the identical sums borrowed by france upon interest for supplies raised within the year can it be conceived that any man only entered into the first rudiments of finance should make so egregious a blunder should write it should print it should carry it to a second edition should take it not collaterally and incidentally but lay it down as the cornerstone of his whole system in such an important point as the comparative states of france and england but it will be said that it was his misfortune to be ill-informed not at all a man of any loose general knowledge and of the most ordinary sagacity never could have been misinformed in so gross a manner because he would have immediately rejected so wild and extravagant an account the fact is this the credit of france bad as it might have been did enable her not to raise within the year but to borrow the very sums the author mentions that is to say one billion one hundred and six million nine hundred and sixteen thousand two hundred and sixty one livres making in the author's computation fifty million three hundred fourteen thousand three hundred seventy eight livres the credit of france was low but it was not annihilated she did not derive as our author chooses to assert any advantages from the debility of her credit 
its consequence was the natural one she borrowed but she borrowed upon bad terms indeed on the most exorbitant usury End of chapter twenty one